Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come to camp this week and for forums such as this where we can learn more about more about Thee, Father, more about how we can live our lives for Thee. We pray, Father, that Thou wouldst please be with everyone here. Please give them a blessing, Lord. Please send Thy Spirit to convict each one of our hearts that we can see where we need to make changes in our lives and to serve Thee. We ask, Father, that please bless Brother David for uh, speaking with us, and we ask that thy will be done this afternoon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know as I look out across the group, I see some who have been announced and are waiting baptism. I also, come on, ladies, have a seat. You're not missing much. We just got started. We just had a prayer. I see some that have counseled in the past. As I look at the group, I have a lot of mixed emotions. On the one hand, I'm thrilled and I'm excited that you're here. On the other hand, I wish you were in the other forum. Because that would mean that you've been through what we're going to talk about this morning. But as the Apostle Paul said, I'm persuaded better things of you. There may be a few of you that are here at camp to see what you can do to get away with some things. There may be a few of you that are here because mom and dad said you have to come. There's always a few that want to see what kind of trouble they can cause when they get to camp. But probably 98% of you are here because you genuinely want to be at camp. You want to be with your friends. You want to be where the Word of God is preached and taught. You enjoy the environment of being around believers. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. So that's a good thing. And that gives me a lot of courage and a lot of, a lot of excitement. And what we're going to talk about today is the fact that every one of you either has been or will be called. Called by God. And I know that for a fact because of the heart of God. Um, could somebody look up John 3.16? The other good thing is most of you have Bibles because you just came from class. So somebody, if they could just find and read John 3.16 and read it loud. And the second reference we're going to look for is 2 Peter 3.9. So John 3.16, or if you just know it, yes, this young man's got it right here. Thank you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not, what? Perish, Perish, but have what? Everlasting Everlasting life. What's this verse telling us? What did God do? He sent His Son. Was that an easy thing for God to do? No. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, What do we know about the relationship between God and His Son leading up to His birth in Bethlehem? How long were they together? Forever. They had never been apart. So all of a sudden, God, and actually, (coughs) excuse me, it says, before the foundation of the world was laid, 
before they ever planned how this was all going to come about, it says the plan of salvation was. So that tells me that God and Jesus knew from the beginning that there was going to be this separation. So Jesus comes to earth. Was that the big separation? No. The big separation was going to come when? What happened when Jesus was on the cross? What did he cry? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he say that? Why did Jesus have to cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where was God? God had to turn his back on his own son. God had to listen to his son beg for him. And God had to turn away because of my sin and yours. Everyone that comes to repentance will come to a point where they realize that if I would have been the only person that was ever born, Jesus would have had to die on the cross. Because you see, conversion is a personal thing. It's not a collective thing. It's between me and God. And the, verse, and the, the other verse, 2 Peter 3.9. Whoever has it, just start reading. 2 Peter 3.9. I'm going to open mine because I'll reread it, but I'd like to have you read it first. It starts out, the Lord is not slack. Thank you. And I'm going to reread that so we get it on the tape. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we got John 3.16, and we got 2 Peter 3.9, and we got a bunch of other scriptures that say that it's God's will that nobody go to hell. Nobody. He wants everyone that He has created to be with Him in courts of glory. I asked a question at the advisors meeting yesterday. I said, have we ever separated the converted and the unconverted like we are this morning? Some believe we had, some believe they don't remember we ever did it. And I'm glad we did. Because each one of you needs to realize that there will come a day when there is a separation. And the separation isn't just for 45 minutes to an hour in a forum, but that separation is eternity. Like Brother Tom said last night, you're just abandoned, without hope, by your own choice. But, like I said, I am persuaded better things of you. I have two young brothers that are here today because... I'm going to ask them some questions because I don't want you just to hear it from me. I do have a handout that each one of you will be able to take with you that has bunches of scriptures. But my point this morning was I wanted us to have a dialogue. I wanted us to be, I wanted you to hear about what it's like to be called if you haven't been. How do you know who it is that's calling? 
And what do you do once you're called? Because the devil wants to convince you that it's this, this, this difficult thing. Conversion is not difficult. It's not hard. It's painful, but it's not hard. What has to happen in our lives, and we'll get into it, is, is we have to get our hearts to a point where God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can make us whole and make us alive for the first time. So um, I'll let Jeremy go second. We'll ask David to come up, and I'm going to ask David to explain to you what it was like when he was first called. Well, certainly, um, it's been a while. But uh, um, I was probably 13, 14 when I was called, and it was at camp. Uh, so this is going to be pertinent, I suppose. And um, what basically, the first year I was called, I was probably 13, and I didn't take it very seriously until the next year. Um, at the next year at camp is when I realized um, that, you know, I need to be making some changes in my life. And what led up to that was probably the week or two before camp, um, I had some serious arguments with my brother. We didn't get along too well at all. And uh, I just realized, you know, what, you know why, am, why am I getting so angry so often at my brother and, and with other people, with my parents? You know, what's wrong with me? Why do other people not have these, these issues? And, well, of course, that's not the case. A lot of people had those issues as well. But uh, I went to camp that year expecting, you know, that I need to obviously go forward with uh, looking into uh, what Christ did for me. And um, we had Inspiration Hour on Tuesday night, and um, I went into Inspiration Hour uh, thinking to myself, you know, this evening I would like to talk to somebody. And thankfully, uh, my Uncle David was there that evening, and uh, he specifically asked me, he said, you know, how do you feel about this? Um, and I said, I, I told him, I said, I feel completely, feel completely empty. I felt so tiny. When I looked, when I thought about the universe, when I thought about the world, I just felt so small. All my problems were so, for, were so small compared to really how big the universe was. And then on top of that, I had to think about how big God was. And, and it just really hurt me that, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have a relationship with him. And so, um, you know, we talked a little bit more and went from there. I don't want to go good. too far. How did you know? How, how did you know it was God and not just your conscience? Well, I'll tell you, um, it's, uh, it was very, it, it wasn't too difficult to know that it was God calling me. Um, you know, you, you, have, uh, you have a conscience. Everybody has a conscience. And we know, like, we shouldn't go out and take a candy bar off the shelf and stick it in our pocket and walk away. Um, but uh, really, uh, you feel the Spirit calling, and you pray about it. And when you pray about it, um, you, have, you, you start to feel that, uh, you know, this is God calling you. And the words that you, sp that you read in the Bible, um, the words that he revealed to me, you know, in Romans and, and in other chapters, obviously, you know, revealed that sin in my life. Okay, good. Thank you. And you know what you should probably do, David, is grab your chair and bring it up here, or you're going to be coming up and down the steps. Jeremy, come on up here. This, we're going to pretend maybe that I'm more like, um, I don't want to say Oprah, but I don't want to say Dr. Phil either. <laughs> but when I was young, there was a guy named Phil Donahue that did a lot of um, informational interviewing 
on stage. So Jeremy, why don't you uh, tell these young people what it was like when you were called, how you knew that it wasn't just a guilty feeling or something like that. Well, I was first called, it was actually our first year here, um, and it was, uh, it was my brother's inspiration hour, too. Um, I remember specifically he was talking about uh, that you can just imagine this pathway, and there's the cross, and Christ is hanging on that cross bleeding. And me not answering that call was turning around and just walking away as he's standing there bleeding. Or, and the same thing as those people that were standing there spitting on him. You know, me not answering that call is like me spitting on him. Um, I actually didn't do anything about it right then. I didn't even stay late because well, everyone else got up in my bench, so I just got up and left. Um, and then I went, when I got home, I actually talked to my dad. But I knew it was, I knew I was really being called because you know, I had felt stuff from my conscience before, like David was saying, but this was completely different. Um, I, I was sitting in that bench and I just felt completely alone. Um, I felt that the only one that, I was so helpless that the only one that could help me was God. Um, so, as, like I said, I just got up and I walked away and Another year passed, and I talked with people. I talked with my dad and everybody, and another year passed. And, um, and it wasn't up until two years ago that I actually put forth the effort to go forward and really feel I really finally gave up everything that I was trying to hold on to, all the stuff that I had done in my past, which, I mean, I didn't think I was that bad of a kid. But I finally was able to give it all up and give it all over to God. I was 13. Thirteen. Thank you. That, that seems to be a little bit of a common threat. Um, young people being called first at 13, 12 years old. I remember the first time I was called. Um, that was a long time ago. It was back at uh, Massanetta, not Massanetta Spring, Webster Springs, West Virginia. And I remember a few things about um, that year. The first thing, I was staying in a cabin called Whippoorwill, which actually was a pretty nice cabin. There were some real bad ones there. And the first thing I noticed when I walked in was there was a dress hanging over our counselor's bed. And I'm thinking, was this guy like Klinger on MASH or something? You know, he's trying to get out of something. Anyways, I guess it was his wife's dress. And really, the way the Lord called me the first time, I was by myself in that cabin, and I was unpacking my clothes, and a deck of cards fell out. I, you know, something, the, the, and, and it was the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you have come to church camp. And you got your deck of cards falling out on your bed. And, it was the, and what thought, what, the thought that went through my mind was, people are going to find out what I'm really like. I was 13 years old. I want to tell you about another story. I should have had him come, but I didn't think about it till now. Of somebody that was called audibly by God. Now, in the Bible, we have people that have been called by God, and they heard them. Samuel was one of them. Samuel kept thinking it was Eli that was calling, and finally Eli perceived that it was God that was calling young Samuel. So he said, the next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Well, my dad grew up on a farm in Mansfield, Ohio. And he got to an age, I think 13 or 14, when he decided that going to church in the morning was enough. And he told his parents, uh, you know, 
I'm really only going to take about a half a day of this, and I'd like to stay home in the afternoon. Now, I'm first of all shocked that his parents let him do it, because he would have never let me stay home if I just said I had enough church with half a day. But they did. They let him stay home. And he was walking in the barn, and he talks about it. He says, I know exactly where I was on the steps in this barn, and I heard God say my name. He said, I heard a man's voice say, Bob. And when his mom came home from church, she went and he said, you know, Mama, what's it like when God calls you? And her response was twofold. You will know and you will never, ever be the same again. And Grandma was right. You see, because when we have been touched by the Master, when God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoken to us, we will never, ever be the same again. And I'll tell you something else that my grandma did. Uh, this happened just before this. Um, when my dad would misbehave, there was a little branch off a cherry tree that she would smack him on the behind with, a little switch, she called it. And one day, she, he had misbehaved, and she said... Um, I want you to go to the woodshed, literally, and bring the cherry switch. So he did. And he held it up in front of her and he broke it in two. And she said, now I want you to go and get another one and bring that. She didn't get angry. She didn't get upset. And he, I guess he got a whale of a licking for that. But then she stopped and then she said, this was the last time that I will ever discipline you like this. And he thought, wow, I've finally gotten to the point where mom's going to back off. And she said, and this is what she firmly believed, my grandma believed that from the time her two boys, my Uncle George and my dad, were born till this point, that she was on earth as a messenger of God to teach and discipline them. And she said, all of the sins that you have committed to this point, you have been, that's been dealt with with the punishment. But she said, from this day on, you will answer to God for everything you do because you have chosen to disobey. And he said, he said he really had. He said he used to look at what the punishment would be and then decide if it was worth it. You know, if he was going to, I don't know, roll over a cow or whatever they did back then. Uh, all right, I'm going to get a lick and I won't be able to sit down for a few hours, but it's really worth the thrill. And when Grandma realized that's what my dad was doing, she reminded him that from that time on, he would answer to God for everything. You need to understand that God calls you because he loves you. God doesn't call anybody because he wants to make you miserable. God doesn't, call, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God certainly doesn't want anyone to have hell on earth. And that can occur as well when you realize that you're separated from family, from friends, from church friends. You don't belong anywhere. I remember once I was probably 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old, and my older brother and sister were converted already, and something happened in, in the family or at church or something back home, and my dad had a study, and the family went into the study and the doors were closed. And I was on the outside because I didn't belong. I wasn't part of the family of God. I was on my own and alone. 
and it was scary. God calls you because he loves you. Now, I'd like to ask, um, we'll start with Jeremy this time. Um, Jeremy, what kind of advice did I give you when you really started to seriously seek the Lord? Um, well, probably the main thing that you gave, told me to do was you, I had really had to dive into the scriptures. Um, it, it, you know, I always read the Bible at night because I was just told that's what I was supposed to do. But, you know, when you really start seeking the Lord, you have to spend time to really, to really dive in because, I mean, that's, that's the guideline that God is giving us. And also, you have to spend a lot of time on your knees. Um, I mean, I mean, you can sit down and actually just pray and pray. And it, I mean, it could take hours, but it's really worth it if you can just sit down and spend some time talking. I believe the first thing that I was told was, um, you know, here we're making a commitment. You need to make a commitment right now. And, um, and so that you have support, uh, I was told that I should, you know, talk to my parents and talk to other people, um, other brothers and sisters in, in the Lord. They will uh, they'll keep you accountable. They'll check up on you and see how you're doing with, with the commitment. And that's one of the, the main things that I remember being instructed with first, and obviously it was given some scriptures and, and other things, as Jeremy had mentioned. Thank you. I'm going to read some scriptures, because it's probably easier than me asking you to read it and then me reread it, huh? Um, as I thought about this and, and what advice I could give you, other than having these young guys come and, and share some experiences, because they're closer to your age, the Lord also laid some other scripture verses on my heart. <clears throat> come on in, guys. There's plenty of room. Um, in Luke 18, uh, I was going to read just verse 13, but I want to read a little farther. Two men went, this is Jesus speaking, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. This is a Pharisee. He goes into the temple to pray. And he looks around and he says, You know, God, I am really pleased with who I am. I am so pleased with who I am. I give sacrifice the way I'm supposed to. <coughs> I'm not like these adulterers. I'm not a murderer. Man, I got it all together, God. I am one of your best guys here in this Jewish faith. I'm not even like this publican or this tax collector that's sitting here in the back of the church. His prayer didn't go very far. The Bible says God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. That, that Pharisee might as well have been talking to himself. Well, actually, Jesus says he said unto himself, God. Well, let's find out what the, what the publican said. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. And he smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. The first bit of advice I want to give you, when God calls you, answer. Answer right away. I wish that my daughter Bethany could have been here, but she's teaching this morning. Bethany 
was wise in that when the Lord called her at a very early age, 13 years old, I think, she decided to follow the Lord right away. And that's a blessing, and we'll get into why. Some of it's obvious. But the advice that I give everyone, when he calls, answer, and say, like this publican, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. You have to acknowledge to God who you are. And, you know, he knows who you are. It's not like what you've done is a secret. And I like what Jeremy said. When Jeremy talked about being in his brother's inspiration time, and all of a sudden he realized that it was personal, that if he rejected the call of God, it was like spitting. Did you say that? Spitting at God? You know, there's all kinds of sins people commit. But I believe that the worst sin that can be committed is rejecting the call of God, and I'll tell you why. Because God is saying, I sent my son to die for you. The most cruel death known to man. If you die of a crucifixion, you suffocate. Because you need your legs to breathe. And then if they want to speed up the death, they break the legs of those being crucified. Now, they didn't do that to Christ because he was dead already. And you have to push yourself up on the post to catch a breath. And sometimes it can take days for people to die of crucifixion. So not only did he die the most cruel death known to man, he was separated from his father for the first time because of your sin and mine. And for you to say, I don't need this, or I don't want this, can there be anything worse than that? That's like somebody trying to give you a gift, and you don't take it. You just say, "Eh, no thanks, don't need it from you. You know, if somebody's knocking at the door... We answer it. If my cell phone starts to ring, which it won't because it's on vibrate, you would say, would you please answer that phone? So why, when God calls, do we not answer? That's something only you can answer for yourself. I got another scripture in Psalm uh, 13. I don't think that's right, but we're going to, I think it's Psalm 139. I'm going to go to Psalm 139 because I think I just forgot a nine. More advice. Good advice. Yes. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. The psalmist said, and this is the advice that I would give every soul, that if you counsel with me here at camp, if you say, I want to talk with you, and we sit down, and I better stop. I'm driving the uh, technician crazy up there. And you say, I believe the Lord has called me. This is some advice I'm going to give you. Go back to God. Ask forgiveness for whatever it is that you've done. And say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's that simple. It really is. God calls you. You answer the call and you say, God, I'm hearing. I'm thankful that you called me. I'm thankful that You love me enough to call me. I want to come. But you know, God, it's not easy. The devil doesn't want to let go. The devil wants to hold on as hard as he can, but he cannot resist the power of God. So you say, God, show me in my life what's not right. Help me to seek you with everything that I have so that I can find you. 
reveal to me what it is that I need to do. And he will. I'm going to ask these guys now. Um, they made restitution. We'll start with David. And how did you know, first of all, what is a restitution? And how did you know that you needed to do it? So in counseling, um, obviously we were given instructions that we need to make restitution. And restitution is um, basically making right uh, with, your, with yourself, making yourself right with God and with man. Um, and unfortunately, we can't, uh, we can't do that on our own. God has to give us, God has given us his grace to cover that. But still, we uh, are given convictions to go back to people and um, make right some of the wrongs that we've done to them. And um, one in particular I remember, and I, I didn't have a lot of restitutions to make, but uh, God brought to my attention once specifically that uh, a, a kid at school that I had treated very nicely, and um, it was difficult to go back to him and, and, and you know, apologize for the, the way I had treated him. Um, but by God's help, you know, and through a lot of prayer, I was able to do that, and he was very receptive, and I was thankful for that. And the thing about restitutions that is so awesome, not only do you get a chance to make, uh, make yourself right with that person, but also it is an awesome witness to that person to what Christ has done in your life. And so there's obviously multiple purposes to that. Well, um, like I said before, I was first called when I was 13, um, and I actually wasn't baptized until I was 17. And the thing is, most of the restitutions I had to make were for things that I had done between I was 13 and 17. So if I had actually just stuck with it and answered God's call right away, I wouldn't have had to make those restitutions. Um, I didn't have to make a lot anyways, uh, but the ones I did... I just got down on my knees and I prayed and I asked God, you know, there's things that I did and I didn't remember some of them and, you know, as I'd see somebody, I'd be like, oh, yeah, and God would be like, you need to go apologize for that and I'd go do it. Um, but the, actually the majority of my restitutions were, you know, up to my parents and my brother because we got in arguments a lot. But, you know what? God, will, if you ask God to show you what you need to do, he'll, he's going to show you what you need. And when you pray and he doesn't show you anymore, that means you, as far as you know, that you've got all of them. Let me elaborate a little bit on that. Um, you know, people say, so can you just give me the ABCs to conversion? Or give me all the steps I need to follow. Well, it's not like this. just this, you can check off the boxes. Because it's a personal thing, that you, it's a journey you're going through with God. The reason why I asked them to tell you how they knew what they had to make restitution for or make right was because nobody can tell them. I, I can't tell them. I mean, I could have probably guessed maybe a couple of them Jeremy needed to do. But Jeremy isn't in conflict with me. He's in conflict with God. So God reveals to the soul. That soul that says, search me, O God, and try my heart, know my thoughts. I, I misquoted it right there. That God, the same God that called you, will tell you. He'll just reveal something to you. You'll remember something. 
And you'll need to make it right as much as you can. There's a beautiful, you know, David alluded to it. Not only is it, it helps you, but it's a great witness to the other person. What it does for you in your fight with Satan is anything that you can bring to light, Satan is put to shame. He doesn't have control over you over that anymore. If you've wronged somebody and you ask forgiveness of that person, it's over. There's, one, there's, a, there's a song that I like. I talked about Jake Hess singing. And Jake Hess sings a song about, um, I think it's, it's no fishing in the deep dark sea. When we confess a sin to God, he, it says that he takes our sins and casts them into his sea of forgetfulness. That's a beautiful thing. And when Jake sings his song, he says, but you've got to leave them there because there is no fishing in the deep, dark sea. The devil tries, you know, I had one person that I asked forgiveness of three times. Now, that wasn't God. That was the devil trying to beat me over the head with something. And I had to learn that. One of the things I tell people, and a lot of times if I have a, a service, a sermon for a baptism, I, I, I share this, that I tell a soul that the, the skills that you learn as you go through your conversion are all the skills you need to live an abundant Christian life. And what are they? We learn the, we learn the value, I've written down here, of prayer. Pray a lot. If you're serious about seeking God, pray. And I don't mean, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. God bless mommy, daddy, grandma, grandma, and all that. Amen. You jump into bed. No. Really praying. And sometimes when you pray, you might not even know what to say. You just feel so bad because of the sin that's in your life that you just, you're like the publican. God, be merciful unto me. Help me, Lord. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. But I know you love me and you're caring for me. And you're going to show me. Pray a lot. Prayer is the breathing of our soul. Jesus himself prayed a lot. Jesus prayed a whole lot more than I do. Sometimes Jesus prayed all night. Why? Because he needed to communicate with his Father. When Jesus was on this earth, he was a man like we are. All the aches and the pains, the likes and the dislikes that we have. Yet he lived a perfect life so that he could be that perfect sacrifice for our sins. Pray a lot. You've got to spend time in the Word. Lot, and, and it will become alive to you. It won't just be black words and red letters on white paper. It's going to mean something. All of a sudden, that verse that you kind of wondered, or it never, it never hit you at all, it's like, wow, that's what that means. That's God talking to you. You've got to go to church. A lot. Whenever the doors are open, you need to be there. If you're going to try to convince me that you're seeking the Lord, but you find reasons to miss a service, you're not really seeking. I hate to burst your bubble, but you're not. I was first called, I think I said at 12 or 13, when the counselor had his dress hanging there, his wife's dress hanging there in the room. And I spoke to my dad, and nothing happened. Then when I was 14, felt convicted, called by God. Talked to my dad. Nothing happened. Became 15. Became 16. All of a sudden when I became 17, 
it started to mean a lot more. And I remember my, my parents had a camp out on Otisco Lake. And um, I was an extremely selfish person. And the nicest room in that house, bedroom, was the one that I picked. It had a sink in it. I thought, this is pretty cool. Now, I also thought to myself, you know, I never wake up in the middle of the night with an urge to wash my hands. Why didn't they put a toilet in that room instead of a sink? But there was a sink in that room. But something else that I noticed afterwards was that the windows were very high, so none of the breezes that came in the windows ever crossed the beds. So it was, a hot, it was the hottest room in the house. Serve me right. And I remember thinking that I was seeking God until one night, a hot August night. It might have been before camp. We used to have camp a little bit later in the year. When all of a sudden I realized that there was nothing I could do to this whole salvation thing. I was, figuratively speaking, face down in the dirt. I had absolutely no power to say no to Satan, even though others thought I was in repentance for years. You see, I was, quote, the good kid. I didn't go out drinking. I didn't smoke. I didn't go to parties. I was, the, I was in church all the time. Part of it was there was no way my parents were going to ever let me miss church. But all of a sudden, when I got to that point where there was nothing left, no hope, I got on my knees. And then I understood what it meant when the publican said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm here, God. There's nothing I can do. And if you don't help me, I'm lost forever. And then my conversion took off. And it didn't take long. You know, some people say, well, how long is this going to take? Well, it take, conversion takes as long as we make it last. And what do I mean by that? For me, the length of time, the duration, was getting me to the point where I realized I couldn't do it. That took years. Once I got to the point where I'm face down in the dirt like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, it didn't take long. Conversion is not difficult, but it is painful. It's painful because our nature has to give up. We have to get to a point where we aren't the focus of the universe anymore. And I know you're going to say, oh, but, but, but Dave, that's not me. That's really not me. Oh, yes, it is. Human nature has us being, you know, our favorite people are me, myself, and I. But when we get to the point where it's all about God and we're lost and helpless without him, then he can work with us. Then all of a sudden he can reveal things in our lives that need to be done. Things you never thought you could do. Well, there's no way I could go talk to that person. You're right, you can't. But God can. And I remember one night laying in my bed, um, not at the camp anymore. My, my parents had this big old house in the city of Syracuse. And I was the only one left at home. My, my brother and sister had married and gone off. And and I knew that I needed to confess some things to my dad. Whoa. Now, some people say, man, it must be really cool having your dad be an elder. Now, I'm not saying you need to confess to an elder, but I felt I needed to confess some things to my dad. And I couldn't. I laid there in bed, and God said, you need to go tell this and this, two things, to your dad. And I said, I can't. 
Chris, there's the devil saying, you can't go down those steps. I knew my dad was in the basement of our house. We have a family room in the basement. I knew he was still there. He always stayed up later than my mom. And so this battle between Satan and the Holy Spirit ensues right in front of me. Till finally the Holy Spirit got my attention and said, there is nothing that physically can stop you from getting out of this bed, going down two flights of stairs, and talking to your dad. He was right. Once I got up and I started walking, it wasn't all that hard. But it wasn't me that was doing it. It was the Holy Spirit taking control of my life and giving me the power to confess things that I never thought I could, to talk to people I never thought I could talk to. So we've, we've touched on some things. And again, I'm going to give you all of these things to take with you, and I made it so it fits in your Bible. We have to have repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God. We, we have that godly sorrow, the realization that we sinned against God, so we're sorry for it. The faith has to come in believing that Jesus Christ did die for our sins. And that because of that, we can be forgiven. And we truly can have victory over sin in our life. You might hear some talk about the term uh, dead to sin. I, I hate to disappoint you, but once you are converted, you will not be perfect. I used to think that once you were converted, you weren't tempted anymore. Wrong! Once you make a decision to seek Jesus Christ, you will be tempted more than you are before you make that decision. Why? Because the devil doesn't want to get rid of you. The difference is that when we make that sincere decision to seek the Lord, we aren't going it alone. Jesus Christ is right there with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to believe that the work is, is done and the work is complete in our lives. Um, I'd like these guys now to share with how they knew when they had peace with God. Because that sometimes is a confusing thing. Because some people expect, including myself, I expected heaven to open a bunch of angels to start singing. And that didn't happen. So peace uh, for me uh, wasn't too difficult. I didn't have uh, too much trouble realizing that I had peace. Um, we had talked about... There was a certain time we, in Mansfield when we had, uh, we had the counseling sessions where we had some group counseling, and we had talked about peace the week before. And at this point, you know, I, I, had, I had made all my restitutions, and uh, I talked to my parents and, and um, confessed my sins. And, and um, so at that point, you know, I, had, I prayed a lot about it, and um, it, it was that evening... Uh, a brother from Mansfield uh, had a, a sermon and it just happened to be on peace and um, I, I honestly believe that sermon was meant for me that evening because uh, we sang uh, when peace in when peace like a river my soul overflows we sang that song and uh, for the first time I realized that you know I can sing this song and it means something to me um, and that's pretty much when I first realized I had peace. Now, I know for other people, especially my brother, um, he had a lot of difficulty with it because, like, like he said, he, uh, like David said, um, a lot of people expect something amazing to happen, and, and that didn't happen to him. And um, so it took him, you know, it took him quite a while before he, would, he gave it all up and realized that, you know, he, he was at peace with God. Well, 
Um, I had, I remember it like actually the camp before, yeah, it was like 2005 or whatever, but people kept coming up to me, they're like, well, when are you going to be announced? And, and I was like, well, I don't have peace yet. And people come up to me, they're like, well, we see the change in you, they see, and I had done everything, I had done my restitutions, but for some reason, I just didn't feel peace. Like what David says, I was waiting for, you know, the skies to open and things that come flying through the sky and stuff. Um, but people just get, I remember Omi, my grandma, she kept coming up to me and she says, Jeremy, you, you just need to ac accept that you have peace. And I was just waiting for this big thing. And I remember one night, it was really, really late and I could not sleep. And I, knowing me, I never have a problem sleeping. And it was like one, two in the morning and I'm laying in my, laying in my bed. I'm like, well, I'm gonna start reading. And I remember I opened up to Second Peter Actually, the verses that Dad read earlier, and it's uh, and where it talks about how God is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but all that should come to repentance. And it hit me right there. And it's like God promised that, you know, if you gave your life to Him, He'd give you peace. And right there, I knew it. I was like, God promised it, and He says He's He's going to keep His promises. And right then, I believed it. And it's actually this feeling came over me, and I was, I like got out of bed, and I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night either. But it's, and I just had this overwhelming like calm that just came over me. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry, Jonathan. He's not going to hear very well for the rest of the day. Um. So, I can't give you a list. I don't want to give you a list. The list that I'm going to give you. Um, themes of salvation, the ABCs, they just kind of use A, B, C and, and pick a word out in a sentence. It's just scripture references to read. Read through them. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has either called each one of you or will very soon. So now, we've got that taken out of the way. You're going to be called or you've been called. I've told you that the most important thing to do is to ask God to forgive you. Confess your sins to God. There may be sins, that, and there will be sins, that you'll have to confess to man. Perhaps they're restitutions. You know, the one thing I want to stress with you is this accountability that David talked about. You have to talk to somebody about it. If you simply make that decision to seek the Lord and you don't tell a soul, your likelihood of following through is very slim. Because when you get home... The world changes again, and we're back to the same old, same old again. Tell somebody here at camp. The converted teens are meeting. Brother Werner's giving them discussion points on how to counsel seeking souls. One of the things that he's going to say is that their job is to help you make a connection with one of the ministers or elders or teaching brothers in your home church. Churches have differences of administration. We believe the same Bible. We believe the same doctrines. There may be some little differences here and there on how some of this process goes about. So you need to talk to somebody in your own church. You need to talk. And if you really want to be successful, if you want to make a decision this year at Eastern Camp to seek the Lord, and you want to be successful when you get home and go back to school, before you go back to school, write a note, an email, Facebook, whatever, a friend in school. And tell them that you have decided to seek the Lord. 
You have given your life to Jesus Christ, and you're not turning back. For each one of my kids, I encourage them to do that, and in doing that, was it helpful, Jeremy? Absolutely. You know, my son Mike, he, he not only wrote to friends at school, he had to apologize to a teacher in school. So when he walked in the doors in September, they weren't expecting the same old Jeremy or the same old Mike or the same old Bethany. They're expecting somebody who's different. Take the devil's weapons away from him one at a time. And by talking, by confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, by saying, you know, I'm going to seek God and I'm not turning back, the devil is put to an open shame. Speak often with whoever it is that's going to be your spiritual mentor. I can tell you something from the minister's point of view. You have to come to us and tell us that you want to talk. I could come and say to you, would you like to talk? 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 And I'm forcing the situation on you. By you making that step, you're showing that you're serious about this. This isn't just something that's back burner for you. And peace, you know, how do you explain peace to somebody? Man, these two brothers did a great job. Peace is the absence of conflict. That's all. For me, my conversion probably took three weeks. Knowing that I had peace took nine months. For crying out loud, you can almost have a baby quicker than I, you know. But what, 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 for me, it was this understanding that peace was a gift, that God had offered it, that the work was done. And I remember my brother saying, you know, he knew he had peace when one night he knelt down next to his bed and instead of saying God, he said, Father in heaven. And the Lord just said, you just called me Father. There's no conflict anymore. For him, that was peace. The Lord did confirm it in my heart one Thursday night in our old Syracuse church when I opened up the hymnal to hymn 41. It says, baptized into thy name most holy. The Lord knew that I needed a little extra encouragement. But it was the same thing with me. People saw it. What were the people seeing? The people were seeing the fruit of a repentant heart. So I can tell you this. I can't give you a list because each one of us is different. I can tell you that if you sincerely seek God, people will see the difference, oftentimes before you do. Why? Those are fruits of repentance. Not all faiths will approach this process the same way we do. But there was a man back in 1948 at Eastern Camp, I think. His name was Henry Michel. He was from Switzerland. And he stood up and he said, not boasting, brothers, but we have the best thing on earth. We don't believe in a quick, instantaneous conversion, the signing of a, of a document, the raising of a hand. We believe in a thorough change of a soul's life from the old man to the new. If we would just say all you have to do is quote, accept Jesus, and you're saved, and everything's fine, we would be giving you half the truth. That is an excellent beginning to accept Jesus. That's the beginning. Now you need to learn to allow yourselves to become under the control of the Holy Spirit so you can be empowered to not do the things that you're doing now. And God's going to do that. He's going to give you victory over sin in your life. It's not you. It's not me. I'm not perfect. 
But I can say that I am dead to sin. That I don't have to sin anymore. That I don't serve Satan anymore. And that's what that process is all about. And then the peace will come, guaranteed. But you have to believe it. So, again, the call goes out. If you haven't been called, you will be, very probably this week. Answer it. Say yes right away. Jeremy touched on something that was true in my life. Every sin that I had to ask forgiveness of or restitution I had to make, I made after the second time I talked to my dad. It's kind of like a crossroads. You know, you, Yogi Berra says when you get to the fork in the road, take it. Well, this isn't a Yogi Berraism. But you come to a fork in the road, and that fork in the road is when God calls you the first time. And not answering is an answer. If my phone rings and it's Self-Lock Screw Products, the company that I run, if they call me and it's ringing and I don't answer the phone, what am I doing? Did I make a decision? Absolutely. I made a decision not to answer. When God calls, if you don't answer, you have made a decision. Don't let the devil tell you that you're putting it off. You're not. You've made the decision. The decision was to say no. Say yes. Because I've made that decision now, and I've decided to say no, and I start going down the road. For me to come back, I've got to go all the way back to the fork in the road where I first said no. And then I can turn and start walking on God's road. Do yourself a favor. Accept him now. You know, the devil has one, in, one purpose in mind, and that's to hurt God. He could care less about you. He really could care less about you. You are nothing more than the tool that he is going to use to punish God. Because God loves you that much that, he's, that his son died for you. So the devil just keeps jerking the strings and you as a puppet have to jump and have to dance as he tells you to. And he will take you as far away from God as he can. As far away from God as you let him. Don't let him take you very far away. I'm going to give these to these two young brothers. They're all the same. And when you exit, go out this door. Make sure you grab one of those. Or if you want to just pass them down the roads, whatever you guys think is best. Now, you need to look around the room. I almost wish that I could, through a teleconference, show you the other room where the other teenagers are. You are here because of your choice, not theirs, not mine. Be wise. Be easy on yourselves. Camp is a great place to begin your life with Jesus Christ. Start it now. Start it today. Talk to people. Take the tools away from the devil that are holding you back. And I promise you, you will embark on a life. It's not perfect. Like I said, you're going to be tempted more as a believer than you are as an unbeliever, but you don't have to say yes. You're going to have problems. You're going to have trials and tribulations. The, the, the scriptures say the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But you don't go it alone. There's always somebody with you. 
one that sticks closer than a brother, that will help you through any trouble, tribulation, problem. You will never, ever be alone again. That's the life he offers. May God give each one of you wisdom to be wise. Thank you very much. If anybody wants to talk to me, find me. Be happy to talk with you.